0: stuff, then you need to read your Bible. God takes pleasure. No, y'all missing it. It, That doesn't mean that God he'll just let it happen. It means it's his idea. It's his plan. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to prosper. So God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Now John 15, right around verse 15, then tells us something else. Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, no longer do I call you servants. Huh? Now, he takes pleasure. Now, it, let me just make sure y'all know. When Jesus talks, he's not, he's not disagreeing with Father God. So whatever Jesus says, it's Father God's mind as well. So Jesus, now we read in Psalm thirty-five twenty-seven that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now, we see here in John 15, 15 that Jesus says this to his disciples, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you what? Friends. Friends, For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. So he upgraded us from servanthood to becoming his friends. Somebody say, I'm a friend of God. Now, if God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, How much more does he take pleasure in the prosperity of his friend? Now, let's add another one here on on uh, media. Add another one. Add uh, John chapter 1 and verse 12. Add John chapter 1, verse 12. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In fact, give it to me the King James. Give it to me the King James. I want you to see this in the King James here. Glory to God. Can I just flow for a moment? It says, but as many as receive him. In fact, give me verse 11 so they'll, they'll know for context sake. Verse 11. Hallelujah. Verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. He came, this is Jesus, unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 12. But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become what? Sons. Sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we are not only, we, we were servants only. Then we got upgraded to friends. But ultimately, we are his sons. So if God takes pleasure in, the, pre- in the, the prosperity of his servants, how much more in the prosperity of his friends and how much more in the prosperity of his, sons. Of his what? Sons. sons. We could also say daughters too for y'all ladies looking kind of funny. So prosperity is God's idea. Now y'all, y'all got that and I want you to make sure you understand that here. Okay? Because a lot of times... I repeat that over and over again, and you people are like I know that, but if you don't if you don't appropriate that to your life, you never step into that. The Bible is not just information, it's application to our lives. Y'all got it? All right now. So we're talking about now a friendship and a sonship, which means that we are in a relationship with God. So we are not in a religion. We are in a relationship. And a relationship has its ups and downs. Come on now. There are struggles in relationships. Can you say amen? But even a struggle does not kill the relationship. I was, I was sharing with the mom the other night. I said, you know, we're, we're in this Bible study course, Bible doctrine right now, and uh, uh, there's a, a unit on, on dating and marriage. And I said, I need all of our young people to go through this dating and marriage uh, curriculum here because uh, it talks about building proper relationships for marriage, and you got to go back to proper dating relationships. From, and before you can do a proper dating relationship, you got to have a proper uh, male-female relationship. Before you have that, you got to have a proper same-sex relationship. Not talking about sexual talking about knowing how to relate to people in your own gender and I said the problem with so many of these women the reason why some of these women can't have an effective marriage or relationship because they so catty with each other so you ain't ready to date if you don't even know how to talk to your sisters right and but before you can have that you gotta have a good family relationship because you learn relationship in your own home I said you learn relationship in your own home So in relationship in our own home, even if my sister or my brother, if they tick me off, it does not ruin the relationship. It may, it may cause, it may hamper the fellowship for a moment. But because the relationship is already established, we find a way to get around the hump. We find a way to get around the kink in the system so we can still have fellowship in our relationship. So, Father God has established a relationship with us. We are the sons and we are the daughters of God. So, because God loves us first, love was his idea, the relationship was his idea, even when you and I are not perfect before him in terms of our actions... Because we are perfect in terms of our heart, he gets around our occlusions. He gets around our difficulties. He gets around our blockages because he still wants to demonstrate his love and his mercy and his goodness and his kindness towards his people. can somebody say amen in this place? My children have not always done right, but when I ate, they ate. They might have disappointed me, they might have angered me, but when I ate, they ate. And I, I wouldn't eat crabs and give them hot dogs because they weren't acting right today. If I'm eating oxtails, they're going to eat oxtails too because we're in a relationship. They're, they're, they're mine. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying to you. Because even if they don't do everything perfectly, it doesn't destroy the relationship. And I want you to know you are sons and daughters of God, and God loves you, and he wants to bless you really, really well. I would have said real good, but my son would have corrected me. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 103. I want to read Psalm 103, verse 8 through 14. It's a a long, little passage, but we have time. You love your Bibles, don't you? I said you love your Bibles, don't you? We're going to read it in the NIV, Psalm 103, verse 8 through 14. We're going to see the Father and how the Father operates with us. Because I want you to see that in this relationship that we have with the Holy Ghost, God's tendency is not towards punishment. His tendency is towards goodness. Amen. Y'all didn't catch that. God's tendency, you, have, you ever met a parent? You ever seen a parent, maybe not your parent, but you've seen them with their own child and it seems, it seems like they're always yelling at the child? Yes. They always catch a child doing something wrong? They never catch a child doing anything good, anything well, anything right. Yes, sir. Always yell at the child all the time for all the bad things they do. The child brings home a, you know, a, a B or an A on her report card and they like, huh, so? Oh. You're supposed to do that. Right. Uh, if you're going to point out all their faults, baby, maybe you ought to point out... On, if, you, if you demonstrate a love for them... If you act like God, you know you know the reason. Can, can I just tell you? I'm just I'm just gonna be frank. The reason why my children avoided a lot of whoopings was because just before I was getting ready to, God said, "Whoa, well, oh, 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 I don't treat you like that." Y'all, y'all, y'all don't want to hear that. And I know some of y'all think they should have got a little, little more whoopings. They, they did. They got adequate whoopings, trust me. But but the reason why they didn't get some severity. God, glory to God, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, there's a scripture that talks about that. Well, I, I don't want to get off. I don't want to get off track. I, I want to give y'all. Um, what did what, what I tell you? Psalm 103. Okay, let me let me deal with that. It'll come to me. All right, Psalm 103, verse eight. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Y'all see that? The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Come on, help me read. Slow to anger, come on. Verse 9, verse 9, verse 9. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor. Isn't that good? Verse 10. He does not treat us. So the implication is your sins, our sins deserve some treatment. Yes, I wish y'all to say amen. Our sins deserve some maltreatment, yes, some bad treatment. Our sins deserve, I mean, he's supposed to get, get the rope from the okra. What's the, what you call a rope from the okra? What do you just say? butter from the duck. He's, I mean, he's supposed to get it. I mean, get the knitted to the gritted to get down to the white meat on us. Our sins deserve God getting all that. But it says he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Verse 10, Uh, keep going. For as as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our? From us. Keep going, keep going. As a father... As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Why? Verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. dust. Y'all got this here? So our father's tendency is towards goodness, not punishment. Y'all got it? His tendency is towards goodness and not punishment. But the issue is not his tendency, it's our tendency. Because if you and I carry what we call a sin consciousness, then that sin consciousness will resist the goodness of God. That sin consciousness will resist the goodness of God. That means when you're walking around and you are more conscious of your sins than you are of your righteousness, then you will resist God's goodness. It programs, remember that infirm soul. It'll program that soul to resist God's goodness. Now, remember, I'm not not trying to teach you. To uh, I don't want you to get over into where, okay, I just sin and I keep going with my sin because I'm going to show you here down the road here if I have time. I'll show you that the sin, you know, it, you, you don't want to let sin uh, fester on the inside of you. You got to get rid of sin immediately. But what happens, even if you ask God to forgive you and you know he has, uh, the devil tries to impose, a, a, I don't want to touch your head, a sin consciousness. That you walk around more aware of your sin, even though it's forgiven. You walk around more aware of that than you are of 2 Corinthians 5.21. Y'all remember 2 Corinthians 5.21? For God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might be made... What? So you and I are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am, everybody say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I don't have to be righteous. I am righteous. You catch that? Pastor, you say I don't don't have to be righteous? No, you have to be holy. See, your holiness is a response to his righteousness on you. That's why you walk right and you live right and you talk right and you, you stop cussing and you stop doing all of the things that the world does because your holiness is your response to that righteousness that came upon you. The Bible says that we perfect holiness uh, in, in, through righteousness, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. Through righteousness, we perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. So I, 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 I live holy because I am righteous. The reason why I, I if, if somebody cooks, I don't know I don't know I don't know how the meal's going. You know, my wife's in the hospital. Uh, if somebody cooks some dressing this week, I'm gonna eat it. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. A little bit of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a little bit. But but some of my other counterparts, they like stuffing. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. Right. I was in Frankfurt a couple weeks ago, and Mama Alberta asked me if I wanted some uh, pumpkin pie. No, <laughs> no, no, no. My counterparts, maybe, not me. I like p- sweet potato pie. Now, can I just say how I want to say it? The dressing and the sweet potato pie don't make me black. But because I am. Are you follow what I'm saying? So so I am righteous. But the devil tries to impose a sin consciousness. I'm just testifying to you because this is what I've had to battle with this week. The devil has been I mean, trying to wear we reward me this week. Ever since we rushed to the hospital, I mean, the devil's been trying to. I mean, just wear, trying to wear me down because he's trying to make me like, you. This what you deserve. This what you get. You got this. You had this coming. And I'm, I'm, I'm having to battle back in the, in no. No, wait a minute. I'm forgiven, and and we're forgiven. And I know I did stuff. I, I know I messed up all of them years ago. Uh, but I, but I, God's forgiving me, and I'm walking right with God. And I, I'm, I'm talking. I'm living right, best I know how. Y'all, so y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, all it takes is you, you blew out a tire, and the devil will tell you, see. Remember that you said that thing about that lady over there. You said that thing, and that's why your tire blew out. Uh, Sin consciousness. So we got to be healed. Go, go to Psalm. Let me show you something here. Psalm 41. Let me keep going. Psalm 41. Psalm 41. And I want to look in the King James uh, Version, please. Psalm 41, verse uh, 4. Remember, I gave, we looked at this last week. Right? I want to see two verses, 4 and 11. I'm going to deal with verses 4 and 11. Notice he says here, this is David talking. He says, I said, Lord, be merciful unto me. Do what? Heal my soul. So we dealt with that all last week. Everybody's soul should be healed by now. I've had people from all over the country respond to me and say, Pastor, thank you so much for that message. Uh, My soul has been healed. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against thee. Then I'm going to come back to that. Go to verse 11. Verse 11. He says, by this I know that thou or that you favor me because my enemy does not triumph over me. All right? So I want you to see that David does something here. Number one, go back in verse 4, that David acknowledged his sin. He acknowledged his sin. He didn't act like he hadn't sinned. See, and that's what a lot of this grace teaching today is trying to get us to act as if we hadn't sinned. So when I'm talking about sin consciousness and not having a sin consciousness, I'm not talking about acting like you didn't sin. You must first acknowledge your sin. Yeah, I messed up. So David, he said, he said, heal my soul. He said, for I have sinned against you. So you must first acknowledge your sin. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, y'all know this. If we confess our sins to him, he is what? faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to also what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I, I must first acknowledge it. Yep, I messed up. You can't walk around. <laughs> oh boy. You can't, you can't walk around like, like your, your stuff don't sir. Because you may not smell it. Doesn't the Bible say, God says, that your sin stinks in my nostrils? You ever walked around and like, I smell poop everywhere I go. I smell something. And then you finally look at your shoes. Oh, my Lord, it's, it's, on, it's on my shoes. And you, you thought it was somebody else, but you, but everywhere you went, you went to this store, you went to that store, and they everywhere stink, everywhere stink. And you, oh my God, it's on me. So David acknowledged your sin. Now, I want you to read this verse here, Proverbs 28, verse 13. Proverbs 28, verse 13. I'm trying to go as quick as I can. I'm trying to get through this here today. I'm not preaching Tuesday. Verse 13. He who covers his sins, he who covers his sins, help me out. He who covers his sins, that means covering, acting like you didn't do it. And it says if you do that, you will not be successful. You will not prosper. You will not uh, have any achievement. Because why? When you cover it, you know it's there. And you're going to really have a strong sin consciousness because you're going to always be like, I wonder who knows. I wonder who knows. I've watched people do that. You know, they get into sin out there, you know, church folk get into sin, then they stay away from church because they, they think everybody knows about their sin. And it's like, no, you don't want to know problem is you just hadn't confessed it. Nobody else knows. Pastor, priest, somebody must have told him, Pastor, didn't know anything about your son. You know it. You know the Bible says when a man, if a, if a man murders someone and he flees, his own conscience won't let him get away. Everywhere he goes, his conscience is still going to be bothering him. So he acknowledges sin. David acknowledges sin. Go back to this uh, verse, uh, Psalm 41, verse 4. Psalm 41, verse 4. David, secondly, David asked for God's mercy. He asked for God's mercy. He says, Lord, be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. Now, you acknowledge the sin. I know it doesn't read in that order, but I want you to see how the process, how it actually happens. I acknowledge the sin, and then I say, Lord, be merciful to me, which means, God, don't let happen to me what I deserve. Show me the other side of the coin. I, I, I need your goodness. I need your kindness and not your punishment. Y'all got this here. He says, be merciful to me. The Bible says in Lamentations 3 verse 22, the Bible says three Lamentations 3 22, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Why? Because his compassions fell not. You see, so when he says show me your mercy, it means don't let me be consumed. If God's mercy doesn't work in your life, the enemy can come in and ravage your life. So, Lord, I acknowledge my sin. Now show me some mercy, Lord. Look at Psalm 143, verse 12. Media put on the screen for us Psalm 143, verse 12. It says this In your mercy, cut off my enemies. In your mercy, cut off my enemies. And destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I'm your servant. Cut off my enemies. Stop the enemy from assaulting me. Stop the enemy from vexing my soul. I already acknowledge my sin. You see the order? I acknowledge a sin. Now I'm asking, you, Lord, show me Your mercy. Because see, if I don't, if I don't acknowledge a sin and I don't have His mercy, then the enemy has right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Remember, Prophet Smith preached on that. Yes, Did y'all forget that about how the enemy has those rights to come in when you when you don't cover these things? Yes, yes. Yes. So when I've confessed it to Him and now I've asked for His mercy, He puts that hedge up in my life. That restraining order where the enemy cannot assault me. Y'all got this here. Yes, so David acknowledged his sin. He, number two, he asked for God's mercy. But number three, watch this. This is the big, big part of One to see, Because he goes back in verse 11, Psalm 41, verse 11. The third thing David did was he recognized the favor of God. Somebody say the favor of God. He says by this, go back to the, to, to the King James is what I think we had on that. Because I want you to see in the King James because it uses that word specifically. He says, by this I know that you favor me because my enemy does not triumph over me. This is how I know you favor me. Okay, now you got to catch this here. Let me go watch this. He just said in verse 4, I'm, I've sinned. Which means the enemy had legal right to destroy him. So he says, But by this I know that you have favored me. Because the enemy who had right to destroy me does not triumph over me. Now you'll get this by Thursday morning before you eat. What he's saying is the enemy should have been able to wipe me out because of my sins by my sins I deserved to be destroyed I didn't deserve to have the victory but your favor was greater than my sin your favor was greater than my fall This is how I know you favor me because my enemy does not triumph over me. The reason why I know that you smile on me is because I'm still here. I'm still alive. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be here, but I'm still here. That's how I know that you favor me. Now, I got to break some news to 87% of y'all because you're looking at me funny. You think you're here because you're good. You think you got a nice job and you're healthy because you eat right. You think you earned your way to be here today. And you miss it. Because the sins you have already committed... I'm gonna bust you right here The sins you committed yesterday See cause some of y'all thinking Yeah I remember 35 years ago No those sins you committed yesterday Should have given the enemy legal right To wipe you out But favor Favor is something you don't deserve it's a goodness. It's an action that you don't deserve. And yet God extends this kindness to you. He extends this grace. He extends this mercy. He, expe- he extends this, this goodness in your life that you, that you receive that you didn't deserve. But if you're sin conscious, you won't take it. And when I was praying, I said, God, all the things you're doing, all the things you've done, all the things you're promising that are yet to come. God, I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. Now, I I, want to find out if I'm talking to 10% of y'all in here or not, who are not so haughty and arrogant to think that you've earned all the goodness of God. Well, no, Pastor, no, because I, I pray three hours a day. No, pro- Pastor, because I read Proverbs every day. I read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes every day. No, Pastor, I come to every church service. And I serve. mm Mm, I stopped cussing a long time ago, Pastor. My mouth is right. I don't drink no more. I don't smoke no more. I don't sleep around no more. Mm-hmm. Well, look at you and your bad self. Look at you earning your way to heaven. Look at you earning all God's goodness. Look at you earning all God's favor. Look at you earning all God's kind of. Look at you earning all God's blessings. I'm so impressed. But that ain't my testimony I read every day And I pray every day And I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke I don't fornicate, I don't do none of that stuff I come to church, I come to every service But but what God has done for me Is more than I deserve Because even all of our righteousness I'm going to come over here even all of our righteousness the bible says is as filthy rags in his sight that means all the, your the works you do to make think that you're righteous before god even all that is as filthy rags in his sight So I need something beyond what I deserve. Uh, let me give you a scripture here. Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm number 30, verse 5. How many of y'all have ever messed up? That's 40% of y'all. The rest of y'all have been Perfect. It says, Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but. For a what now? For a What's for a moment? His anger. his anger is but. For a moment. For a moment his favor. For a moment. Oh, y'all, y'all missed it. His anger is but for a moment, which means his favor. Uh, you, you're going you're gonna to get this. I, I believe by faith you're going to get this. His favor is momentary. His, uh, rather, his, his anger is momentary. Which means, means his anger is based then on some action. Right? Have any of y'all ever been angry? Well, your anger was a reaction to someone's action. So his anger is his reaction to our actions. That's for a moment. But his favor is not based on our actions. Y'all missed it. It says, watch this, his favor is for life. That means that if I go through an angry moment, I pass through that, but on the other side of that, it's still favor. I can act up and draw his ire, draw his anger, but I don't have to do anything to draw his favor. You missed it. You, mi- you missed it. You missed it. Well, I'm, I'm gonna pray six hours. That don't get his favor. I'm gonna read 17 chapters. That don't get his favor. Favor is something you do not deserve. Should I quit? I'll, I'll quit if y'all don't this. His anger is a reaction to my action but his favor is a covenant stance that he made with himself that is not contingent upon my actions that I have in my life. His favor is towards me even when I don't deserve anything, even when I've messed up, even when I fall short. His favor is on my life for life, which means, thank God, that his favor outweighs his anger and his favor outlast his anger. You better catch that. You better catch that. You better catch that. His favor outweighs his anger. I told you, there have been times I've been angry with my children, but I didn't. Y'all gonna believe this part. There are times I've been angry with my wife. But I still open the door. Y'all, y'all don't get this. You still, because the favor outweighs the anger. I'm still pleased with you. And there may be a moment, a temporary moment of letdown, of disappointment, of anger, but Something on the inside rises in God that he shows you his mercy and his goodness and his kindness. It outweighs the anger and it outlasts the anger. The anger is but for a moment, but the favor is for life. Is anybody receiving this today? Glory to God. Glory to God. He says, I recognize by your favor because my enemy does not triumph over me. Now, I've sinned, but my enemy does not triumph over me. I mean, I I put myself by my own sin, I put myself in, in position to be defeated. But the reason I haven't been defeated is because your favor is on my life. It's the same person, he's the same person who wrote this in Psalm 30, that your anger is but for a moment, but your favor is for life. It'll always outweigh and outlast the anger God has. Glory to God. Now, let's go somewhere else here. 2 Samuel 9. Let's get ready to wind this down here. How many of y'all know Psalm 23? Yes, sir. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? amen. Yes. You know, down in verse 5 or 6, one of those, it says, it says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, how long? All the days, All the days of my life. Surely. surely. Yes. That's a covenant term, yes. a covenant sealed word of promise that Every day of my life, there's goodness and mercy. Every, which we could sum that up by saying there's favor. The days of my life. Now, you know, I'm looking at some of y'all like, you don't get it. You don't, you don't get it. It's, 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 it's like you think that you have Earned. See, because we, we went to preschool and we went to kindergarten and they had merits and demerits. And you did some bad stuff, they put a strike on the board. You get three strikes and you're out today. Or if you did something good, we're going to get some stars. If you, if you get five stars this week, you get an extra, you know, extra credit on, you know, so you, you earned or you lost privileges based on your, your behavior. And so we grow up with that same mentality and we bring it over into, the, into faith, into the kingdom of God. And we act as if that we're good. But you're not good because you do good. You're good because God made you good. <laughs> Glory to God. What God has done in my life, I look back and I say, God, I don't deserve any of this. I'm not talking about this unworthiness doctrine where I'm some, Lord, I'm just, I'm just a little worm. I'm not talking about you having this worm mentality. Well, God, I'm just looking down. I'm just, I'm just a lowly peasant. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you knowing who you are in Christ yet, yet balancing the line. Between knowing who you are and understanding that all God's goodness is because of his favor, not because of your righteousness. Glory to God. Pastor, why is this important? It's it's important because, because if you don't get this, then your soul will block. Your soul will resist all the goodness of God. Look down in 2 Samuel 9. Um, I'm not there. Glory to God. I don't have time to read all this. I was going to read that from verse 1 through 13, but um, I've lost a lot of my audience. 2 Samuel 9. 2 Samuel 9. This is the story of Mephibosheth. Do you remember Mephibosheth? Let me, let me read enough of you to get, get across of the story. Verse, verse 9, verse 1 rather, 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? That word kindness, in my Bible there's a little marking about the word kindness, and it denotes covenant faithfulness. So David, who's now the king... Ask this question. Is there anybody left in Jonathan? Remember David had this, this friendship with Jonathan, Saul's son, loyal. The Bible says they, they had a love for each other that was even more than the love of a woman. They, they were close. They weren't homosexual. I've heard preachers try to make David and, and Jonathan homosexual. They were not homosexual. I don't care what T.D.J. says, they were not homosexual. Don't listen to foolish stuff like that. People spewing this foolishness, trying to trying to let this little leaven get into people's hearts. These are men. We knew David loved women. David loved women so tough that on his deathbed, they brought a pretty young thing to his deathbed, made this pretty young virgin girl lay next to him, and said, "This is his test." If he don't move off this, we know he's a goner. Because David loved himself some women. He was not homosexual, and he was not download bi. There's so a lot of that in the church today, down download bisexuals. So David had a covenant with Jonathan. And he said, even after Jonathan is dead and gone, he said, is there anyone left from his house, Saul's house, Jonathan's house, Saul is Jonathan's father, father, that I can show this kindness or this covenant faithfulness as the Hebrew word has said. It's a word that that denotes the extreme goodness, extreme favor to. And go on, you read, you see a servant tells him, yeah, there's this one man. Verse 3, he says, is there... Not still someone in the house of Saul, to whom I gonna show kindness of God. And Zeba the king said, "There is still a son of Jonathan, who is lame in his feet." The king said, "Where is he?" And he says, "He's down in a place called Lodabar. Yes, debar, Lo debar, Lo debar, Lo debar. means nothing. Means uh, no. Debar means word or thing. He's a pla- in a place where he's got no word. He has no thing. He's got nothing. He's nothing. He's got nothing. He's living in a place of nothingness." But somebody is thinking about him. He's lame, crippled in his feet, can't work, can't do anything. He's cut off from royal heritage. And yet God puts him on David's heart to show him kindness. Glory to God. Verse 6. Now, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said, Watch this, verse 7. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness. Come on. Because you're such a good guy. So I'm going to show you this kindness, this has said, this mercy, this favor, and you don't deserve it. In fact, your grandfather was my enemy. And if you know anything about kings and how kingly lines operate, anytime a new king took over, they killed all the family of the previous king. So to make sure there'll be no uprising against his administration. But David said, no, I'm not going to operate like that. I want to show you favor. That's why, why Mephibosheth was so scared. He knows that he should have been killed in front of David. But he said, I'm not going to show you any judgment. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you goodness. I'm going to show you kindness. I'm going to show you favor. Now, Watch this. Watch this. Verse 7. David said, I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan's sake and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. You shall eat bread at my table continually. Verse 8, he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that that you should look upon such a dog, a dead dog as I? In his mind, I'm a dead dog. I don't deserve anything you're doing. I don't deserve any goodness. I don't deserve any kindness. He said, I'm such a dead dog. He knows in David's eyes he's supposed to now die. But The king set it up for him to eat at his table set up for him to have provision coming from all the land that would be restored to him now watch verse 13 watch verse 13 so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table now look at this now where was Mephibosheth living? in Lodabar but verse 13 said so he dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually In other words, Mephibosheth had the same mindset as I have. I don't deserve it, but I'll take it. I, 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 okay, let me go one last place Why y'all, y'all are hungry. Uh, go, to, go, to, um, go to Luke 15. Go to go the to main text here. Luke 15, main text. And we'll wrap it up here, right here, right here, right here, right here. Right here. This it's it's, is helping somebody. Yes, see, because what? See, this, this is my challenge, Elder Baker. What if God next week comes to you and brings somebody to you with, with uh, a Maybach? Yes, <laughs> and you've been driving, you know, a, a hoopty. For the last 17 years. See, what's going what's to run through your soul is, do I deserve this? I'm just telling you, y'all, y'all look at me like, all nah, this ain't me, Pastor. I'm talking about you and your neighbor next to you. If God comes next week and says, hey, I want to move you from the house you're in, The apartment you're in, and I got a mansion on the water, seven bedrooms, eight and a half bathrooms, five car garage, on two and a half acres on the waterfront. And we're like, yeah, yeah, praise God. But in reality, in reality, in your soul, there's a battle that has to rage because. In your soul, the devil's going to come in and try to infiltrate and say, no, but you don't deserve that. Right. Pastor, how you know this is true? Because already, already God has been trying to push things on you. Okay, how many of y'all ever heard, heard this phrase here? And you've, you might have used it, but you've at least, at least heard it. I don't need all that. I don't need all that. Yes? Okay, now let me ask, have you, have you ever heard this, this phrase? It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. How many ever heard that? It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. So you can, you can understand that when it comes to, well, I'd rather have two rakes and not need them than to the, than the need a rake and don't have one. You understand that? But what if God wants to bring you to the seven bedroom, eight and a half bath house? And your mind, your soul is telling you, I don't need all that. Well, what happened to is better to have. See, y'all ain't got it. What happened to is better to have and not need than to need. Yeah, but it's just me. But what about when the God tells you to be hospitable? Be given hospitality. Which literally means to open your home to people. Well, now, I don't don't have all that. Well, because you've been saying I don't need all that. Y'all missed it. I don't have it because you keep saying you don't need it. Y'all missing what I'm saying. You've been telling, you've been convincing yourself I don't need all that. Put up Isaiah 55, verse 2 on the, in, on the screen, please. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Isaiah 55, verse 2. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what is not satisfy? Look, look at this last line. Listen carefully to me. Listen carefully to me. Listen, listen carefully to me. Eat what is good and let your soul, let your soul, let your soul delight itself Do I need to explain abundance to you? Does everybody understand what abundance is? Abundance is having and not needing. Abundance means having and not needing. More than enough, it means have it and you don't need it. So let your soul delight in having it and not needing it. Boy, y'all wrestling with me today. Let your soul delight in having it and not needing it. Why, why should you have six cars? I don't need all that. What happens to having and not needing? See, we've, we've understood that on small, minuscule levels. That's why you have 17 of the same t-shirt. You got 17 t-shirts, but you're but you, but you good with just one car. All right, let me finish here, Luke, Luke 15. Oh, I'm already, I'm already past one o'clock, Lord have mercy. Okay. 17. Is everybody familiar with this story? Yes, Anybody not familiar with this story? This, the, the, well, let me just give you background. This man has two sons, It's a parable, man has two sons. One of the sons decides, okay, I'm not going to wait till my my wealthy rich dad dies to get my inheritance. I want my portion of the inheritance now. The youngest son, he's entitled to one-third of the estate. Okay? How do we know? Because the law was the, the eldest child got a double portion of all the estate. The man had two sons. The eldest sons get two-thirds. The youngest son gets one-third. Right, right, right. Do the math. So he wants his one-third. He takes his one-third now and he rides out into the, off into the sunset and he goes and he spends all the money he has on what the Bible calls riotous living. We assume he had a few, you know, hookers and You know, drinks and did a few lines. You know, they do. You know, having a good old time. And he ended up. The economy went bad. Depression, recession, depression came. He ran out all of his his money. Nobody would feed him. He ended up getting a job working in a pig pen. And it was so bad he wanted to eat what the pigs ate, and they wouldn't let him even eat what the pigs ate. And for a Jewish boy, it's the worst form of degradation you could ever get to. Okay. So he, he realizes, okay, wait a minute, back in my father's house, all my father's hired servants. At my father's house, the servants, at my father's house, the servants have more than enough. At my father's house. I'm a son, but my father's servants have more than enough. So I'm going to go back home. But in going home, he said, verse 17, But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my my father's highest servants have bread enough to spare and perish with, I perish with hunger. I will arise, go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Notice he says, I'm no longer worthy. So he understands that what he has done is worthy of death or at the very best being only a servant. That his, what he has done against his father is worthy of the worst sin as you can get. Now, a couple years ago, Elder Warren came here and, and preached the stuffing out of this here. I don't need to try to imitate that. That's, go back and get that. That was crazy. Um, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, notice, notice his father saw him. His father had compassion. Remember we read in Lamentations, his compassions fell not. Mm, praise God. And ran... And fell on his neck. Now, the town elders should have killed him, but the father fell on his neck to cover him. In fact, you read, you read the, 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 the Greek term here, fell on his neck, literally means the father stuck his neck out for him. That's what it literally means, his father actually stuck his neck out for him, okay? And kissed him. And the son said to the father, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Here's a speech, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he knows he doesn't deserve anything. But watch God, who's represented by the father in this story. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand. Sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, period. Now pause right there. Because now the son has a decision to make. At this period, the son has a decision to make. Because he's already admitted that he's not worth it. He's already admitted that he's sinned. He's already admitted, really asked for mercy and at least let me just be your servant. What he's saying in a nutshell is I don't deserve anything. Now, they've already brought the best robe, already brought the shoes, already killed the fatted calf. But the son in this place has to say, okay. Am I going to take it or not? She got it. Stand up. Stand to your feet. Y'all got it. See, that's it. She got it. She already finished my message. That's it. Am I going to take it? Y'all y'all, y'all missing this. Y'all, y'all waiting. Y'all waiting for me to hoop. I'm not going to hoop. I'm not going to hoop. Am I going to take it? He smells the cow being cooked. He knows it's for him. He sees that best robe, those sandals, that ring. And if he would allow his sin consciousness to dominate at that crossroads, he would walk away and not receive it. And you may think, well, what does it have to do with me? Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that every one of us has been at the same crossroads time and time and time again. You may not have seen it this way, but I'm bringing it out to you this way. That God is always trying to show his goodness, his kindness, his mercy, his grace, his favor to us. And yet, if we carry the unworthiness mindset, then we will not Accept what God is trying to do for us. I wish, I wish, Sister Annie, I could, I could walk you down the memory lane of my own life to tell you how many times in my own life in the last several years that I was at the same period, but I walked away rather than enjoy the party. Because in my own life, I said, Lord, no. I know you forgive me, but I've not forgiven, forgiven myself for all the times I let you down. I mean, I seriously let you down, God. I, I, I fell short, way short. And God, boy, has been trying to promote me and increase me bring me into places and opportunities that would change my life and this ministry. But I've walked away at that period because I'm like, no, I don't deserve all that. God, there's somebody, somebody who's better than me. There's some guys who they've never, they've never let you down. They've never fallen short. I know me. And, and the, the funny thing is about this, Joe, is, is that's not coming from me. That's coming to me from the devil. Right, right, right. And what the devil is doing is he's, he's, he's playing a record from 30 years ago. Right. And that, that's this, this what I'm doing. This, this is exactly what, what's happening Brother Joe. Hitting the eject button on that, on that tape. Amen. It's saying, no, I'm going to take that tape out and I'm gonna rip all of all the tape out of it. And I mean, I mean, man, just watching what God has done and what He is doing and what He's saying. Luke seventeen twenty four. Luke fifteen rather. Put that verse back on the screen. 15 verse 24. I think that's the verse we left off. Somewhere around there. After the period, look at the last sentence. And they began to be married. Would they include he? I mean, you can look at it. Take off the T and the Y. He is in the they. So that boy, that young man who knew he didn't deserve the ring, the robe, the sandals, the calf, the party, the restoration, anything. He took it. I came here today to tell you, just take it. Just take it. Take it. Everything God's trying to do, just just take it. See, if God has shown you big things, has anybody ever God shown you some big things which you know, which in your mind you know what He's showing you is bigger than you? Has anybody feel that, that what God's showing is bigger than you? Do you know why you feel that way? Because you're saying, I'm not, I'm smaller than what you're showing me. And what you're saying subconsciously is, I don't deserve it. And guess what? You're right. You're right. You don't deserve it. And you are smaller than what he's showing you. But it's him just. Somebody this week, this week, yeah, you might have a short week this week, but you're you're going to get a job opening that you may not feel qualified for. You may feel like I've not been the best around here. I, I prophesy that there's a job opening coming for you this week that you know you don't deserve it, but I'm commanding you by the authority of the Holy Ghost to take it. you may feel inadequate you may feel insufficient and I want to testify to you you're right you're right but that's the other side of grace we know grace includes this unmerited favor but the other side of grace is the ability of God on top of your ability to do what you couldn't do before God wants to bless you real good Say he wants to bless you real good. Now, listen, I don't know if this helped anybody but me. Because I was, I'm preaching for me. In this week of Thanksgiving, as I reflect on God's goodness to me, I say, God, I just thank you. I don't deserve anything you've done, I don't deserve all of your blessings. One more scripture, y'all. You're gonna get tired of me, aren't you? Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Oh, Jesus, how many of them know Deuteronomy 28? Stay tuned now. Stay tuned. Listen to this. Listen to this. By the time we get to verse 47, we're talking about all the curses. All the blessings are in through, through verse 14. Verse 15, it shifts to curses. And notice there are reasons why the curse comes. Now watch this. Verse 47. Are y'all there? Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. Now, this is what I want you to see. He says, because you didn't serve God for the abundance. Now, that tells me, Elder Baker, that the abundance comes before the service. In other words, he's saying your service then is a response to the abundance. Y'all missed it. So I don't serve God to get his favor. I serve him because I have his favor. See, if, if I serve him to get it, then it ain't favor. Oh. Ephesians 2, verse 8, I think it is, says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Is that Ephesians 2, eight, verse 8? Eight? verse 8. Yeah, for by grace you have been saved through faith so you got saved by grace did you catch that you didn't earn it but through faith that means you just received it I didn't deserve it so I didn't get born again because I deserved it but I took it what if I'm sick in my body I don't deserve to be healed But I take it. I take this healing. I don't deserve to be made a multimillionaire. But I take it. I don't deserve the wife and the children I have. But I'm gonna take it. I take it. And then serve God because of it. Father, thank you today for the word. Thank you for your people. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed me to minister this word as you've given it to me. I pray that God, that you do more than anything I could do through preaching and teaching. I've just given just to use the foolishness of preaching, but Father, it's by your power, by your spirit that you drive the word home into the hearts and minds of your people. I pray, Father, that each person today um, steps to that place of receiving beyond what we think we deserve. In fact, the truth is, Father, we admit that God, our sins deserve serious punishment. And although you've forgiven us, we thank you for, for, for forgiving us. We know there's an enemy who tries to remind us, and he does remind us often, of how we let you down and to make us feel an, an inadequate and unworthy. God, and the truth is, we're not worthy all you do for us. God, you go beyond our worth and love. You go beyond uh, our, our, the level of how we serve you. <laughs> you go far beyond what we do. And I pray today that, Father, your people will step into that place of simply receiving your favor, your goodness in our lives. Bless each person today to walk in another level I pray that every soul will delight itself in abundance. That every one of us, uh, every one of us will prosper and be in health, even as our souls prosper today. Lord, heal our souls. So we can receive all you have for us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Everybody say, God, God I, don't goodness, I don't deserve your goodness, but I'll take it. God, I don't deserve all your blessings. God, you. I, don't all
1: your blessings. God, you. I don't deserve all
0: your kindness. I don't deserve all your mercy. I don't deserve all your grace. 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 But I'll take it. 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 it. Everybody.